Good. How many of you brought your Bible this morning? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building? And I want to ask you to join me on page number 1004 or the Gospel of Matthew, first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter number 7. And 1004, if you have an old Schofield Bible, I want to read some verses here in just a minute. And then I'll ask you, if you will, to leave your Bibles open and follow us along here as we make our way through these verses this morning. Matthew chapter number 7. Now, while you're finding your place there, don't forget our service again this afternoon. We want to invite you to come back and be with us at 530. We're looking forward to having a good time together in God's house tonight. We will have prayer room at 505. We do that over in the gym now. And everybody meets over there so we can space out. And uh, we are spaced out, aren't we? But we space out because we are spaced out. But uh, we'll meet over there. We'll have prayer together. And then we'll have our service in here at 530. Now, you're invited to be back. If you need to wear a mask or whatever you need to do to make yourself feel comfortable, you do what you need to do. And we'll just meet here together and have a good time together in God's house tonight. One other thing real fast. Please be patient with us about the Christmas decorations. Uh, we want to get those things up. However, we have work going on right now. Uh, still out in the uh, welcome area. So we're remodeling. And then they'll be moving in here starting next, not this week, but next week and painting and doing some things on the walls and so forth. So just be patient with us about all that. We'll get it up by, I don't know, Valentine's Day or sometime or another. And, uh, but it'll be fun. We'll hang hearts on it this year. How's that? You red hearts and chocolate uh, marshmallow uh, bunnies for Easter or whatever. But we'll have it up in time for Fourth of July anyway. But if you just be patient with us about that, we'll take care of that as soon as we can, okay? Matthew chapter 7. If you're there, would you say Amen. I want to invite you, if you will, to look up on the screens this morning. Most of us in here, if not all of us, will recognize what that is this morning. That is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, actually, that thing was actually built, I read this week, as a tower, a bell tower for a cathedral in the city of Pisa, which is located in the country of Italy. Believe this or not, what you're looking at took 199 years to build. That's right. They started building on the Leaning Tower of Pisa in 1173, and they didn't complete it until 1372, 191, almost 200 years later, to build that, that tower. That tower that you're looking at is 186 feet tall. So it's, uh, to put that maybe in your perspective, since I go to the hospital every day, uh, that's twice the size of Forsyth Hospital. That's, that's pretty high up. If you were to walk in on the bottom level of that tower, uh, you can go to the top, but you'll have to climb 251 steps from the top, to, from the bottom to get all the way up to the top. As a side note, I found out this week that our American troops were actually ordered to destroy that when they invaded Italy during the days of World War II. Uh, the Germans used that as a lookout, you know, to spy out. And so our, uh, our commander said, hey, guys, when you get there, destroy that tower. But when those men got there, they actually defied orders because they said it was so beautiful that they did not want to destroy it. So they left it standing. But in reality, what that's best noted for is this. Uh, it is called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It's actually leaning. One end of that is 12 feet higher than the other end. And the reason that they called it the Leaning Tower of Pisa, obviously, is because it's leaning. But the reason that it's leaning could actually be attributed to the name of the city that it's built in. It's built in a place called Pisa. And the word Pisa means this, marshlands. Marshlands. So what they did was, when they built that tower, they actually constructed it 
in marshlands. And despite all the attempts and the efforts to save that, one day it will eventually fall. Well, you know, if you've been present in our services uh, throughout the time of this year, that we've been making our way through the Gospel of Matthew in a series of sermons that I've entitled, Meeting the King. And for the last several of these messages, we have been dealing with the Sermon on the Mount, the, the longest sermon by far recorded that Jesus ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. We are now at the close of the sermon. What happens when the sermon is over? Well, we give an invitation. And the Lord Jesus now is building up to that point of giving an invitation. At the close of every service here at Woodland, we give an invitation. An invitation for people to respond, to make choices based upon the Word of God that has been preached. And as the Spirit of God deals with hearts, we extend an invitation for people to respond, to make a choice, to draw nearer to, to God. And we're going to do that here in just a moment. Well, the Lord Jesus did that as he closed this sermon in the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 7. He did so by giving us a series of contrasts. Okay? Now, he's leading up to the invitation. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an invitation. We're going to invite you to do the will of God for your life right here in this service this morning. But the Lord Jesus now is giving, getting ready to give the invitation. And as he does so, he says, okay, you've got to make a choice. I'm going to call. My appeal to you this morning is to make a choice. You know, there's a difference between teaching and preaching. Teaching imparts knowledge. Preaching calls for a decision. Preaching calls for a choice. And ladies and gentlemen, the reason we major on preaching is because we want people to make a choice to get close to God. So we're going to give you that opportunity here in just a moment. However, with that being said, in our text, the Lord says, okay, you've got to make a choice. So he mentions, if you look back in verse 13 and verse 14, he talks about the two paths. And he said, now you've got to make a choice which path you're going to walk. There's a wide path that leads to destruction, a broad path, and it leads down to destruction. Or there's that straight and narrow way that leadeth unto life. Jesus said, you've got to choose which roads you're going to travel upon. Two paths. And then he jumps down in verse 15, and he starts talking about two prophets. And he says, okay, now you've got to make a choice on which kind of a prophet, which kind of a preacher you're going to listen to, and which you're going to, kind of a preacher you are going to follow. So we have two paths, two prophets, but then he talks about two types of produce. He talks about good fruit, and he talks about corrupt fruit. And he says, okay, now you've got to make a choice on what kind of fruit you're going to produce in your life. Then he leaves all of that in verse chapter 7, verse 21. He talks about two types of professions, the, the, the false kind of professions. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, Jesus says, I never knew you. But then he talks about in this same chapter, verse 21, chapter 7, about that profession that does the will of the Father. That's the right kind of profession. Jesus said you've got to be sure that you make the right kind of profession. By the way, can I ask you something? What kind of profession have you made? Is it real or is it false? You say, how do I know the difference? The real kind of profession, you want to do the will of the Father. The other kind, you may do a lot of religious activity, but Jesus will say in reality, I never knew you. But he closes the sermon. He's talked about two paths, two prophets, two produces. He's talked about two professions. But in our text this morning, Jesus talks about two places. 
Now, if I was living back in the 70s, some of y'all, how many of y'all lived back in the 70s, that hippie age? Y'all were back in those days, weren't you? The bell-bottom jeans. You remember that? The, 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 what they called them, the elevator shoes. They had a name for them back in those days and all that. Well, if I were going to name this this morning, I would call it the story of two pads. Pads. Moving right along, two places, okay? Jesus is talking about two different places, two houses, two builders, and two consequences. Let's read it now. Look at verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, Jesus says, whosoever... Now, he's bringing all of this to a close. Therefore. Let's, let's wrap all of it up, Jesus said. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them... Boy, there's the key. Not just hearing, but heeding. Doeth them, I will liken him unto what kind of a man? A wise man. A wise is the man that hears the word of God and then does it. Can I have an amen? A wise man uh, which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. It fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a, what kind of a man? A foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Jesus said, okay, now let's talk about what kind of a life are you building? Now Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about when he started talking about building houses. We know that Jesus, at least here on this earth, his foster daddy's name was Joseph. We know from the record of the Scripture that Joseph was a carpenter. We have every right to believe that Jesus worked alongside of his earthly dad, Joseph, in the carpenter shop. No doubt Jesus constructed furniture. No doubt maybe he built houses. He knew exactly what he was talking about when he talked about building houses. He was the master carpenter. And in our text this morning, he's talking about building a house. But more than building a house, I think the Lord Jesus is talking about building a life. Because the real focus of this story is not about the houses that were built. It was about the kind of people who built the houses. Now understand this. Everybody in this room this morning is in the construction business. Every one of us are. We could have walked in. I said the earlier service, we could have that yellow tape stretched around and we could have all come in with our yellow hard hats on and our tool belts on because in reality, every man, woman, boy, and girl, every mother's child in this room this morning is in the construction business. That's right. We are building a life. You are building a life. What kind of life are you building? Are you building a life that will stand the storms of time? Or are you building a life that's going to crumble when the days of adversity come your way? Now, there are many similarities between building a house and building a life. I could say this. You know, when it comes to building a house, what matters most is not what you build, but where you build that's what matters most. When you're building a house, what matters most is not what you build, but where you build. You see, you can build a million-dollar mansion with all of the finest amenities and luxuries that money can buy, but no matter how good it may look, no matter how livable it is, if you build it in a swamp, it's not going to last long. 
However, you can get you some plywood and a few boards and build your little lean-to on a rock with no electricity and no plumbing, but I promise you this, that house will stand long after that mansion has fell into the swamp. You know why? It was a matter of where it was built. Now, let me tell you something. The same is true of our life because what matters most about life is not what you build. It doesn't matter if you've got diamond rings on, if you ride in a stinking Jaguar car. It doesn't matter if you live in this development and your house is 5,000 square feet big. It doesn't matter any of that. It doesn't matter what you build. What matters most about your life is where you build and upon whom you build and you better build your life upon the Lord Jesus. How many of y'all agree with this statement? Too many people in our day are trying to build skyscraper lives on chicken coop foundations. You better be careful where you build. That's the whole gist of this story this morning. So could I do this? Look in our text this morning. Let me go back now and let's just talk three little simple things that we pull out of this story as a comparison to our life. First of all, I want us to consider that. I want us to consider the comparisons. You know, the one thing that's evident from this story that Jesus told us was that these two houses were very, very similar. These two houses that he's talking about here in our text are similar. Number one, they're similar in structure. I mean, if you were standing out in the front yard of both of these houses and you looked at both of these houses, I think you could probably not tell any difference whatsoever in these two houses. They were made out of similar materials. They were built in a similar fashion. As I understand it, back in those days, in the times of the Lord Jesus, every house looked pretty much the same. They were made out of rocks or else they were made out of mud bricks. They were held together by a mixture of mud and clay to keep out the elements. The Roofs were made out of timbers covered over with thatch, which was reeds that were joined together and uh, held together with clay. The roofs were flat. They weren't slanted. They were flat because most people spent a lot of time on the roof of their house. They had a set, set of steps going up the side of their house to the roof of their house. Most of the, these two houses that Jesus talked about probably cost about the same. They were about the same size. Usually the houses back in the time of Christ uh, only had one room with a a single door, maybe one window. And the truth of the matter is these houses, the one that was built on the sand, the other one that was built on the solid foundation, both of them looked pretty much the same because they were similar in structure. Can I say this this morning? Our lives are similar in structure, are they not? I mean, let's just face it. I mean, we all pretty much live pretty much structured lives and our lives are structured pretty much the same. I mean, we were all born the same, right? Amen. We were born of a woman. Anybody in here found under a cabbage leaf anywhere, rode off the back of a pumpkin wagon to town? I mean, we were all born the same way. Our lives are structured pretty much the same. What do we do after we're born? We start growing. We head off to school. After school, we get married. We get a job. We provide for the needs of our family. We get older. We grow sicker, and we die. I'm telling you, our lives are pretty much structured the same way. We are similar in structure. Both these houses, similar in structure. Just looking at you, I can't tell. If you're an unbeliever and a believer sitting here this 
morning probably looking at their life. I couldn't tell much of a difference. I mean, one may be dressed a little bit different, but I mean, they would look pretty much similar because of their structure. But we also read that these homes were similar in their storms as well. You see, both of these homes were struck by the same storm. They looked similar, they looked the same, but they were struck by the same storm. I could see, I could see it in my mind, you know, the day that the black clouds begin to gather back in the west, you know, as it does here, and man, the, the rumble of the thunder, and boy, you could tell it's not going to be just your average thunderstorm. This was going to be a doozy. I mean, man, this was going to be one of those that would be remembered for a while, and I can see both these men run into their homes. They're huddled up out of fear and they're on the inside of their home. And then it hit. The rains came and the winds blew and the floods beat upon those houses. Both these houses faced the same wind, the same floods, and the same rain. They were both confronted by the same elements. The rain from above, the, uh, uh, the floods from beneath, the winds from around. And may I just say, ladies and gentlemen, both of these houses were hit by the same storms. And ladies and gentlemen, guess what? Our lives are going to be filled with storms as we move through life. Our lives are going to be hit with adversities through, through the length of our, the span of our life. You and I are not going to get out of this world without having some storms blow our way. That's right. That's true geographically. I mean, no matter where you live in the United States of America, there are things you've got to worry about. If you live out west, it's earthquakes, and those massive forest fires that burn out of control. That's what you got to worry about out west. If you live down south, it's tornadoes and hurricanes. If you live on the east coast, it's, uh, it's uh, hurricanes and floods. If you live up north, it's blizzards and, and uh, being battered by the cold. No matter where you live in the United States of America, you are going to face storms. Well, what's true geographically? It's also true humanly. There's not a one of us in this room is going to get through life without facing our storms. You know, in our day, we have, become, we have become so particular that we make a distinction between a storm watch and a storm warning. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, if you watch, uh, especially around here, but if you watch in the summertime, they'll tell you, maybe, maybe if you watch whatever channel you watch, they'll say, man, watch out now, there's a thunderstorm watch this afternoon. And what that watch means is that conditions are ripe in the atmosphere to produce these large thunderstorms. And you've got to be on the lookout because, I mean, there may be one of these things that may pop up this afternoon. That's a watch. Conditions are conducive to produce a bad storm. That's a watch. But when you hear them start talking about warnings, that's when you better really perk up. Because that means not only is there one that could possibly happen, there's one coming down your street. There's one in your county. That's the reason you better take cover because there's a difference between a watch and a warning. Can I tell you something? This message this morning is not a watch, it's a warning. Can I tell you something? There's one in your neighborhood. I'm talking about a storm. Hey, there's one, there's one in your area. There's one in your county. There is a storm that is headed your way. And ladies and gentlemen, I think about people sitting in this room this morning. And here's the thing about it. You may be sitting here in this room this morning in a Category 5 hurricane of hurt in your life. And the person sitting six feet away from you right now, the sun is shining in their life. They're totally oblivious to what's going on in your life. Am I right about that? 
Storms. I mean, buddy, storm. I, I don't know what your storm may be. It may be some kind of a physical storm, cancer, heart problems, diabetes, COVID-19, whatever. It may be some. Hope it's not COVID-19, at least not in here this morning. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the physical storms, financial storms, maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've had to take a lower-paying job, and lo and behold, out of nowhere, here comes Christmas. You've got to buy these toys or whatever for Christmas. How in the world are you going to do it? There's too much month left at the end of your money. You're in a financial storm, or maybe you're in some kind of a marital storm. I'm telling you, maybe in your storm. I heard about this one old boy. He went to the mailbox, and there was a draft notice in his mailbox. Uncle Sam wants you for the United States Army. Well, he didn't think about twice about it. He's turned over, wrote on the back, can't come, got wore at home, and stuck it back in the mailbox. I wonder how many people are sitting in this room this morning. You got war at home. And I mean, it's a war. This is a war in the morning, war in the uh, afternoon, war in the evening. Here a war, there a war, everywhere a war, a war. I mean, you've got all kind of battles going on in your life this morning. Here you sit in this place with all kind of storms going on in your life. I'm telling you, Jesus said it was going to be like that. Both of these houses, the one was built on the solid rock. The other was built on the sinking stand. But both of these houses faced their storms. You're not going to get through life without it, and neither will I. The comparisons. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. Let's talk about this, the contrast in these houses. Now, here's what I want you to see. There was a difference in these houses. Both of them were similar instruction. Yes, sir. Both of them were similar because of the storms. But there was one major difference in these houses, and that was this, what you couldn't see. It wasn't what you could see that made the difference. It was what... You couldn't see. The difference was in the foundations that these builders had built their houses or their lives upon. One of these old boys just went out somewhere and found him just a piece of land. And but he just started building his house. But he was building on the sand. The other old boy went out and, man, he took careful preparations to be sure that he built his house upon the, uh, the right kind of a foundation. I told our early service this morning, but I remember back in 2009 when this building was being construction, uh, constructed. And this is what they call tilt-up concrete. It just, I mean, they didn't bring this thing in on trucks. I mean, buddy, they, they poured the, the slabs. And then they brought this crane in and they set these huge pieces of concrete up and they attached them together. There are three buildings, this building, that building, and then there's one building that wraps these buildings. But can I tell you something? Long before they poured the concrete and brought the crane in to set the, the walls up, they spent weeks and weeks digging footings around here. They spent weeks pouring concrete. You know why? They understood that the walls are going to stand. It won't be because the walls are put together good. It's because they're on the right kind of foundation. And ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to stress is this. For every story that Jesus ever told, there was a moral to the story. There was a bottom line to the story. And the whole moral to this story is this. Whether you and I are going to be a failure or we're going to be a success. Whether we'll rise to the top or sink to the bottom. Where we'll make it in life or we won't make it is going to be determined by only two things. Here they are. Number one whether you belong to the Son of God 
And number two, whether you believe the Word of God. Now I'm going to tell you something. Everybody in this room that belongs to the Son of God and everybody in this room that believes in the Word of God can make it through the storms of life. They can. You can. I can. But I sure feel pity for those who do not belong to the Son of God nor believe in the Word of God. Let me show it to you in Scripture. I'm talking about if you're going to make it, number one, you've got to belong to the Son of God. Let me show you what Jesus said. Now, you can't see it in this text, but over in the Gospel of Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells his version of this story. And here's how he starts it out in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 47. Whosoever, Jesus said, cometh to me. You know what Jesus is saying? If you want to make it through the storms of life, if you want to build a life that lasts, if you want to have a kind of a home life that's going to make it through the ups and downs of, uh, of life, what you're going to have to do, first of all, you're going to have to come to me. You're going to have to belong to me. Now, I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you say, Preacher, I have made it through every storm thus far. Wonderful. That's the grace of God. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to make it through the rest, you need to belong to the Son of God. Come to me. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. In just a moment, we're going to give an invitation. I want to invite you all over this building. Get up and leave your seat and just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. That's belonging to the Son of God. But look again in our text here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, that's believing the word of God. Now, hear me and hear me well. If you belong to the Son of God and if you believe the word of God, I'm telling you, you can make it through the storms of life. Amen. On the other hand, as illustrated in this other person, if you neither belong to the Son of God and you neither believe the Word of God, friend, your life is going to crumble and collapse right around you this morning. Jesus tells us there's a comparison. Jesus tells us there is a contrast. Here's what it boils down to. Look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 says this, For other foundation, other foundation can no man laid, uh, can no man lay than that which is laid Say it with me, which is, there it is. There's your foundation. Want to build a life that lasts? Build upon Jesus Christ. Belong to Him. Believe His Word. Do what He says, and you can build a life that lasts. But I want you to see not only the comparisons and not only the contrast, but look in our text. Let's notice the consequences of what happened to these two houses. You see, we see the results now. Here's Jesus bringing the whole sermon down to invitation time. And Jesus said, okay, you want, your, you want a life that lasts? You want, a, you want to build a home that will last? Jesus said, then you hear my sayings and you do them. Then your home will last. However, on the other hand, Jesus said, if you do hear my sayings, but you do not do them, I'm telling you, your house is not going to last. Your life is not going to last. It is going to crumble. You see, the Bible tells us that this old boy who built his house upon a rock because he had heard the word of God and he was doing it, buddy, when the blue sky turned black and the storms descended upon his home and the floods from beneath 
and the winds from around and the rains from above, they blew his house, continued. It made it. But that other old boy who set aside the Bible, who paid no attention to the Lord Jesus, and the same rains from above, winds from around, floods from beneath, came against his house. It didn't continue. It crumbled. And the reason I'll tell you that it crumbled is because he didn't build upon Jesus Christ as foundation. I say again, it's not what you build. It's where you build that matters most. Don't you tell me that it don't make any difference whether you have Jesus Christ in your life or not. I don't believe a word of it. You ever hear people say, in our days, well, it don't make no difference. You can be religious or not. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about belonging to the Savior. I'm talking about knowing Jesus Christ in a personal way. Can I tell you something? Don't tell me that people that know Jesus, don't know Jesus get along just as good as people who do know Jesus because I don't believe a word of that. People who have built upon the right foundation are building a life that will last forever. But people who are building upon that shifting sand are building a life that's sure to crumble. If not here, it'll crumble in the end. There was some dispute as I closed the message this morning in the earlier service because there was some dispute over what I'm about to say. But I want to tell you that we got it straight between services. When I was growing up, my mama and my daddy, I don't know where they got it at, but they bought one of these old-fashioned black records. You mean know I'm talking the vinyl records? They, 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 they bought this old-fashioned record, and I think they're coming back in now from what I'm hearing. People are saying, you know, they're making a comeback now. And uh, I told the early service, man, whatever you do, don't throw that avocado refrigerator away. It's coming back. Bell-bottom jeans. Polyester suits. Now, not on me, but they're coming back. Platform shoes. It's coming, friend. Just hang on to it. Put it up. But uh, they bought this old record, and the title of the record was this, The Three Little Pigs. Y'all remember that story? Now, can I just say, none of these boys appear on this platform. Can you believe that? That's what I said, Brother Vic. Oh, my. What is wrong with y'all? But uh, there was some dispute in the earlier service. But you remember the story? The three little pigs. And uh, boy, one of them went out and bought him some, saw the guy had the straw, and he built him a house out of straw. And here come the big bad wolf along, and he huffed and he puffed, and he blew the house down. All right? Some discrepancy. Did he eat the pig or did he not eat the pig? That's what we was arguing about this morning in the earlier service. I mean, let's just set aside the Bible. We want to know, did the pig make it or not? And then after that happened, the other old pig went out and he saw this guy selling planks. And he bought those planks, built him a house. Here come the big bad wolf around. He huffed and he puffed and he blew and he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. But that last little old pig had some, had some wits about him, didn't he? He saw an old boy selling a, a, a wheelbarrow of bricks and he built him a house out of bricks. And here come the old big bad wolf. And he huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed and he blew and he huffed and he puffed and he couldn't do it. So what did that old big bad wolf do? He climbed up on the house, went into the chimney. This is the part they don't know. What and where have they been? I have no idea. And he come down the chimney and that little old pig had set a hot boiling 
big old kettle of hot boiling water down there, and he fell in there and killed the, killed the big bad wolf. But the moral of the story is, look out, the big bad wolf's coming. And can I tell you something? The devil is trying to destroy your life. Bless your heart. And the only, the only protection we've got against that, when the floods come and the rains beat and the winds blow, the only protection that we've got is in the foundation. And if you want to build a life that lasts, you've got to be sure, not what you build. It isn't about rings. It's not about wardrobes. It's not about the kind of cars you drive. It's not about the six-digit income that you make. It's not about that. What matters in life is where you build. Build upon the solid foundation. If you don't, the sinking sand will crumble your life some of these days. May God help us all to belong to the Son of God and to believe the Word of God to build a life that last. I want you to bow your head with me this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed.